0: yo how we doing everybody welcome back to sergeant pepper's podcast it's been a minute but we're back all the way we're coming with a video soon i just needed to get one off the ground get it going but we are back it is nfl week four we had some crazy games Sunday football has been unbelievable. Week one, two, three, four, it's all been great. Red zone's been unbelievable. Touchdowns all day. People scoring. NFL Sunday has not disappointed. And it's unfortunate because I cannot say the same thing about primetime games. Aside from a here or there, most of the primetime games so far have been absolute dog shit. Either low scoring, blowouts, Any of it, you name it, just bad football overall. We need to get that together. Obviously, you can never predict how a game's going to go. The NFL's doing their best trying to schedule all the shit, but let's come on. Everybody wants to sit down Sunday night, watch some good football, and Monday night and watch some good football, and we're just getting trash matchups, bad teams. It's unfortunate because we had the matchup of all matchups this weekend. We had... Chiefs Buccaneers and I don't know maybe Tom Brady's washed maybe he's old maybe the divorce with Giselle's getting to his head maybe Patrick Mahomes has just played him nothing has his number but something happened the Buccaneers got steamrolled on Sunday night but it's a new season everything moves forward maybe Tom Brady's reign is over I would never say something like that. I don't believe that. I assume he'll win the next seven Super Bowls because he's just that guy. I don't want to be on some documentary one day like Max Kellerman saying this guy's falling off when he's going to play till he's 97. But we'll see. Things change. One of the things that has changed this NFL season is the introduction of Amazon Prime Thursday night footballs. And while they have... Signed up two of the GOATs, Kirk Herbstreit and Al Michaels, calling games together. Kirk Herbstreit has run college football, is the voice of college football, has been for years. And Al Michaels is, some may say, the voice of the NFL as well. Two GOATs linking up, legendary booth. A lot of difficulties on the Amazon Prime stream. There's been some... I don't know, delayed games. There's been some glitching, some loading, some buffering. All of the issues that you would assume the first NFL streamed only online games are. But other than that, I love it. Amazon Prime, I'm full of go. Have all NFL Sunday on Amazon. Let me stream the shit. Figure out a way to get it to the second. Get it to the people. Figure out, get the necessary facilities to get that done and get that to me on time without a delay. I understand my Wi-Fi might be dog shit, but still I can't be waiting 30 seconds for a touchdown when Warren Sharp's tweeting out 20 seconds earlier and he's getting all my likes that I should be getting. But either way, the Amazon Prime, especially you had the Prime Vision in there with all the stats, you got the win percentages, you got the quarterbacks, you could keep track throughout the whole game. It just adds a different element to the game. And I love it. I'm definitely in for it. You're listening to Sgt. Pepper's Podcast on Spotify. I do like that the NFL is trying to evolve. They are trying new things like the Nickelodeon for kids to get them involved at an earlier age. You got the prime vision now where you're seeing the receivers run the routes and you're watching the plays as they develop. You're seeing all the stats that you need. And I love this path. I love the evolution. Eventually, obviously... All the games are going to be streamed. So, I mean, you got to dip your toe in. You got to get comfortable with it. Um, And I love that the NFL is a league that is definitely willing to evolve. Sometimes they've gone a little far in the rules, obviously, and stuff like that. But on an entertainment side, the NFL is definitely crushing and giving us a great product. They've added things like the Manning cast, which is unbelievable. It's two of the GOATs, my GOAT, Eli Manning the goat slayer, as some may say, but uh, it's just them two hanging out. It's like what it would be like watching it with Archie and the boys back in the day. And it's just definitely a lot more fun way to watch the games. And you get a little bit looser, they could show if a streaker's on the field and someone blows them up like they did tonight. So, I mean, there's a lot more versatility that the NFL's coming at you with now and everything's changing And it just makes for a better product, a better story, a better all of it. And everybody gets more engaged and the NFL is just growing to unbelievable heights. That And it just won't ever stop. The TV deals will keep going. Amazon's going to do it. Apple's going to hop in. Google, I don't know who's going to hop in, but... There's a lot of money to go around and the league is just continuing to get bigger. That's why I hate when people say the players are overpaid. Obviously, there's players who maybe aren't as good, who get more money than they maybe should. But any top athlete, any quarterback, if they're not expecting that Deshaun Watson, if you're a top five guy, that $230 million guaranteed, you cannot settle for a dollar less than it because... The game is evolving. If you're signing a contract now, five years in the future, that contract's going to be as outdated as it gets. So, I mean, the money's only going to keep going up. The salary cap's only going to keep increasing. There's just a lot of things. The game is growing, and it's going into a completely new era. There's going to be billionaires on the field and running the teams, like eventually, obviously, like in the NBA, LeBron's a billionaire. But, like, the money just continues to increase. And if you're one of those guys, Patrick Mahomes, $500 million contract over the course of his career. The NFL is continuing to evolve and will not stop. But one thing that will never go away, it's death taxes and Monday night football. And we just had, I was about to say great game, but it really wasn't that great of a game. The Rams versus the 49ers. Monday Night Football, Manning cast, saw the streaker on the field get lit up, but there are a lot of questions that come out of tonight's game, like are the Rams dead? Obviously, it's an over-exaggeration, but they do not look as locked in as much of a powerhouse offense as they did last season. Towards the end of the season, it does look a little bit off. In Los Angeles. But I don't think anybody should be worried about the Los Angeles Rams. Cooper Cup. Matt Stafford. He's got all the weapons. The defense is great. I fully believe the Rams will be dangerous. The second half of the season. Come week 10. Come playoff time. They will be a contender. They will be one of the teams to beat. And the Rams will be contending for a back-to-back Super Bowl this season. Jimmy G. Jimmy G. QB one of the 49ers after all of that after this whole offseason after them drafting the guy him taking a pay cut right before the season when he could have tested the markets and free uh, free agency could have went to Seattle could have went to Texans could have went to all these different teams probably about five six seven teams that he would go in with a guaranteed starting job probably get paid in the 15 to 20 to 25 million dollar range depending on the confidence of that front office in jimmy g but either way he took the pay cut said i'm fine with being a backup well um i'll get some things fixed i'll straighten out some things in my game and maybe i'll find a starting job over next season well come week three come week four jimmy g halved his salary just to be back in the exact same position that he's in Kind of wild, kind of just screwed himself. He could have just said, no, fuck you, pay me. But, I mean, either way, he's back on the field. He's putting tape together. It's definitely a lot better than being the backup quarterback. Jimmy G's a baller. He wants to play. And I don't think he's done, but I also don't think he's a guy that's going to win games for your team. I don't think he's a guy that's going to bring your team over the top. Um, So we'll see what the future holds for Jimmy G. It's an unfortunate situation for the 49ers because they really didn't get any time to see Justin Fields play and develop and see what the 49ers were like under his leadership. So you really can't tell. You can't make a decision. They're kind of in the exact same position they were in last year where they have this potential top-five guy, Underneath Jimmy G, they also have Jimmy G, who's won 35 out of 52 games, whatever it is. I know those numbers are off, but either way, Jimmy G has uh, definitely produced in the San Francisco offense. He's hasn't been – he's been a top 15, top 20, hovering around there, gotten up near top 10. Like, he's definitely been a serviceable, solid NFL starting quarterback – and for their team to just make that decision to switch off him, I mean, you never know, like, um, how it's going to go. But, I mean, that he got hurt. He's back in. We keep him moving. 49ers, Jimmy G, QB1. They took down the defending Super Bowl champions on Monday Night Football on the Manning cast, and that's how it went. And the only thing – that I really sticks out in my game. I'll put the picture up. Um, The only thing that sticks out in my head is that gigantic hole that Aaron Donald ran through and he just missed Jimmy G. Like he kind of just pushed him over. But if that was five, six years ago, before the, NFL protected quarterback rules came in. Jimmy G's head would be four feet underneath the field turf of San Francisco's stadium. So thank God they've prevented that. Because Aaron Donald would have murdered that man on live television. After Sunday night, we'll go all the way back to Thursday night. We had the Bengals versus the Dolphins. The Dolphins... Red hot, out of the gate, 3-0. and Them and the Eagles, the only undefeated teams. Until this weekend, Joe Burrow and the white hot, white bangle Tigers, whatever you want to call them, won this one, 27-15. But the story was not the New Jerseys. The story was not how great the Bengals are. The story was not the Bengals overcoming their Super Bowl hangover. The story was to a tongue of Tungavailoa going down, getting hit, hitting the back of his head on the ground, and then going temporarily what seemed to be paralyzed. His hands were all disfigured and looked crazy. I'm getting goosebumps right now just thinking about it. It was just gross to watch. We hope everything's okay. I hope there's no lasting effects. He was able to fly home with the team that night, so it's all good at least from a uh, serious brain injury perspective. He was cleared to at least fly that night, so that's good. But the original doctor from the game before, if you don't know what we're talking about, you're living under a rock, so like, I don't really need to give much more context. But Tua got hit last week real hard, went down, hit the back of his head. This was the first time, got back up, was a little wobbly, almost fell back down, looked like a deer that's dragging around after it's been shot. He did not look good. His teammates had to come over, carry him off the field. He went in the locker room, looked like he was going to be done for the day. And then uh, 15 minutes later, he comes back out, ready to go, leads the Dolphins to a victory. Tua Tungvailoa has been balling and has been one of the best quarterbacks in the league so far this season, undisputed. Bring it a week later against the Bengals. He gets hit. He goes down, head to the ground. He's out. Teddy Two Gloves, Teddy Bridgewater takes over. Proves he can still sling it. Keeps the Dolphins in it. Keeps the game a little bit interesting. But Joe Burrow, Snow Burrow, if you want to call him, Joe Mixon and the boys was just too much for the Dolphins without their gunslinger. Joe Burrow was 20 for 31 with 287 yards, two touchdowns in the Thursday night victory. Then we go to Sunday. We'll go through these Sunday games pretty rapidly, but we had the Vikings versus the Saints, Captain Kirk, Andy Dalton, just two old, white, slingers of the football. Um, I don't know. Yeah, boring, realistically. Primetime Kirk got the W. He won. Game was perfect time for Kirk Cousins. 1 p.m. on a Sunday. Slayed the old veteran Andy Dalton. We will all want Jaboo wins. Jameis Winston out on the field if the Saints are playing. Leading... Those boys down the field, but it's unfortunate. The Red Rocket got the start. 20 for 28 with 236 yards and a tud. Kirk, 25 for 38, 273 yards, a tud and an interception. Dalvin Cook, 76 yards. Justin Jefferson, 147 yards in the game. Vikings win it against the Jabu winston Saints. On to the next one, the Seahawks. And the Lions, the over of all overs, you could have taken two or three overs. Touchdowns just kept scoring. Jared Goff scored about 99 fantasy points. I don't, if you have him in your starting lineup, but I don't know. You must be a football guru or you're just a dumbass. But he dropped the game of the century. Seahawks defense has fallen off a little bit since the Legion of Boom, if you're letting up 45 points to the Lions, but the Dan Campbell Lions, I am sold entirely on, and it's not just because of hard knocks. Dan Campbell is a great coach and will end up winning a Super Bowl, probably not with the Lions, but he is a great NFL head coach. He gets the boys going. He inspires confidence in his team, X's and O's, whatever. I don't know. We haven't seen it, but either way, the Lions are a cursed organization. He's never going to be able to produce or win with them. The Seahawks get the win. Geno Smith led the boys, got them a win in a dogfight, a gun-slinging, hash-slinging, slasher battle of just points on points on points. No defense was involved. Not a single defensive player showed up to play. It was 11 v. 0, and the boys just went up and down the field, probably traveling miles and miles in offense in this game. Seahawks get to win. Pete Carroll's still a prick. On to the next one. Jets, 24, at the Steelers, 20. Jets beat the Steelers. Put the nail in the coffin on the Mitchburg era in Pittsburgh. It is Pickett's Bird. from here on out. Kenny Pickett took over. 10 for 13, his only three incompletions were interceptions. But he did have two running touchdowns, 120 yards after taking over from Mitch Trubisky. Zach Wilson led gang green to that W with 252 yards passing. A touchdown and two interceptions, but we don't need to talk about it, on 18 of 36 throwing. Zach Wilson also caught a touchdown, so we'll add that to the total. Guy says he's got the best hands on the team. That's because he probably got some feedback from his mom's friends, but we're not going to get into that either. Guy should be the time person of the year, but that's besides the point. Zach Wilson's back, the Jets. Look energized and ready to go on a little bit of a run. I believe in the Jets. Let's bring New York football back any way possible. Speaking of New York football, we had the Giants against the Bears, the three and one Giants after this week. Daniel Jones went down 8 for 13, 71 yards. He looked good in the game. Justin Fields, 11 for 22, 174 yards. But the real story of the game was Saquon Barkley, 176 yards. Saquon is leading the league in rushing. Let me say that again. Saquon Barkley is leading the league in rushing. Saquon Barkley is the number one running back in the league. And you are not a New York Giants fan. If you think that we should trade that man, you're out of your fucking mind. We build around him. We pay the man he's. Deserves the money. When he's healthy, he is the best player, one of the best players in the National Football League. And he will win games for us. We just need to ride him to the promised land. And I promise you, he will get the job done for us. Whether he's in the backfield with Daniel Jones or not is besides the point. I would like to hope so. I believe in Danny Dimes. I believe in the future of this New York Giants as presently constructed under Brian Dable. But we'll see how it plays out. 3-1, 3-1, and one. unbelievable start. If you were to tell me that this time last year, that this year we'd be 3-1, and one, I think you're out of your fucking mind. But here we are, the boys in blue, big blue, got the W against the Bears. It's a wrap. We're going to the Super Bowl. Fuck it. Titans, Colts, what a battle. Tennessee Titans post Taylor Lewan massive injury, unfortunate loss for the boys, but the Titans are still able to get it done. What the fuck is going on in Indianapolis? I was told there were a Matt Ryan away from a Super Bowl. I was also told the year before that there were a Carson Wentz away from a Super Bowl and the year before that a Phillip Rivers away from the Super Bowl. So maybe I'm being misled on the Indianapolis Coats, not trying to subtweet Pat McAfee, but it's true. What is going on in Indianapolis? They can't block. They can't run. Justin Ted. What the fuck's his name? Jonathan Taylor. First overall pick in all fantasy football leagues everywhere. The guy can't even take a step or a breath without having a 350-pound defensive lineman in his grill. It's a goddamn shame. Matt Ryan doesn't deserve this. He went from The Atlanta Falcons and that whole debacle, the 28-3, not being able to score in the red zone even though he has Julio Jones, the greatest receiver ever. Just a lot of shit going wrong for Matt Ryan, and it's still going wrong, and they haven't been able to figure it out in Indianapolis. Hopefully they will very soon. Fire the whole O-line. Get new guys in there. I don't care if you got to search across the world for them. We need a new offensive line format, Ryan. The Chargers versus the Texans. Maybe a trap game. Maybe whatever. It didn't matter. The Chargers obviously, everybody knew going in. Houston faces no poses no threat to the Justin Herbert Chargers and they escape with a win. Justin Herbert throws for 340 and Truly, really all I got to say about it nothing too crazy. The Texans, they got to figure this shit out. They once upon a time, not too long ago, were a decently built team, but it's unfortunate that they let literally anybody with any sort of talent escape that team. We had the Jacoby Brissett Cleveland Browns going to Atlanta to face the Marcus Mariota Atlanta Falcons. In a close one, it came down to a field goal, a three-point game. Jacoby Brissett, 21 for 35 with 234 yards and a pick. And Marcus Mariota, 7 for 19, 139 yards and a pick as well. Two rushing touchdowns for the Falcons. And it was enough to overcome the Cleveland Browns. Jacoby Brissett's been playing very well in the absence of Deshaun Watson. Not enough to spark a QB battle, the two and two Browns and the two and two Falcons, but it's enough to definitely secure Jacoby Brissett a job and maybe a spot or a shot at a starting job somewhere on a team that is looking for a quarterback. Jacoby Brissett has definitely played very well and has been able to lead the Browns in a time where there's a lot of questions flowing around the organization, a lot of distractions. And Jacoby has been able to keep it focused on football. He's definitely had a lot of help with the boys, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, but he even got a rushing touchdown himself. He's got weapons, David Njoku, Donovan Peoples-Jones. He's got people to throw to all over the field. And he has done a very good job as the Cleveland QB1 in the absence of the serial predator that is Deshaun Watson, the Falcons, on the other hand, they definitely don't look good. I know they just beat the Browns, but I am definitely think that the Browns are a better football team, obviously, especially once they get Deshaun Watson back. Um, but the Falcons, like, I just, nothing about their team inspires any hope in me. I don't know. <laughs> That's really all I have to say about them. I'm not trying to. Cut this one short or anything, but I'm just out on the Falcons. They did get the win, so fair play to them. The next one, we have the NFC matchup of Commanders versus Cowboys. I don't need to even get into this one. You know how it goes. Carson Wentz and Commanders, you add them up. Two bad institutions of football, you put them together, and it gets even worse. They scored 10 points against the shitty-ass Cowboys defense. They scored 25 points. With Cooper Rush, who is definitely making an interesting QB conversation in Dallas. Because Dak Prescott stinks. The guy sucks at football. Cooper Rush, 223 yards in the win over the Commanders. But an infant could throw for 223 yards against the Commanders. They stink. They're obviously going to be fourth in the NFC East. Hopefully they get a quarterback next season and make it a little bit of a competition. Maybe they bring Taylor Heineke out of retirement, bring him back to the pitch, let him throw that thing around a little bit. But the Commanders got to do something if they want to make any sort of noise this season or within the next, I don't know, decade or something. They got to figure it out over there. Next game, we have the Philadelphia Eagles at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars. A team, the Jacksonville Jaguars, that is known for just coming in and fucking up everyone's plans like they did to the Indianapolis Colts at the end of last season. They kicked them out. The Jags are always definitely a scrappy team that could fight out a victory, but not this one. We needed them. We needed them in the NFC East. We were all rooting for the Jacksonville Jaguars. They couldn't do it. Jalen Hurts, unbelievable season so far. Uh, you can't say a bad word about them. And... Trust me, I would love to. I would love to just shit on the Eagles, but they're playing some unbelievable football right now. They get the win at home in Philadelphia. Eagles 29, Jags 21. We move on to a battle of two unbelievable quarterbacks. We got Josh Allen versus Lamar Jackson. The Bills versus the Ravens. The Bills get the W on this one. Another very close game. Came down to three points. And all I have to say is Josh Allen is him. I also have to say, pay Lamar Jackson his fucking money. Both of these guys, unbelievable talents. Top five, six, whatever you want to put them, they're there. They're in the top group of quarterbacks in the league. Lamar Jackson with his arm, with his mobile ability. Josh Allen got the cannon, could throw the ball out of the stadium. The guy, both of them are franchise players for the next 10 years and will be leading their team deep into the playoffs, and both of them will be competing for rings for the next, I don't know, 10 years. So we will see how that matchup develops. Josh Allen and the Bills got the best of Lamar Jackson, even though Lamar Jackson did lead the game in rushing. But the Bills still get the W, 23-20 Bills on top. The next game we get into is the Cardinals versus the Panthers. Carolina, Arizona, in Carolina. And it kind of went exactly how you think it would go. It's unfortunate that Baker Mayfield's career has come to this point. Is this where Baker Mayfield's career dies? I really hope not. I assume and hope that he will get another starting shot somewhere outside of Carolina. This is where football goes to die. This is where Baker Mayfield's career mm, might be killed. It might be done. And I don't believe it's on Baker Mayfield. I believe that Baker Mayfield has the skill set, has the mindset, has the winning ability, has the throwing ability, has the in the pocket, scrambling, passing, all of the things that you need to be an elite quarterback, I believe Baker Mayfield has. I just don't know what's going on. He's talented. He's got it. I just don't. They can't put winning games together. Is that their fault? Is that his fault? Is that coaching? Is that the front office? Carolina Panthers have been bad, always have been bad, since Cam Newton left the first time. It's just been a cluster fucking organization. And it's unfortunate that Baker has been banished to there and was kicked out of the team that he helped bring out of irrelevancy for this dog shit organization after he changed an entire city from. Never mind. I'm done with it. <laughs> Fuck Cleveland. Hopefully Baker makes his comeback. They hired one of the most biggest scumbags in NFL history, but it's besides the point. Baker loses. He's got to get his shit together. Cliff, Kingsbury, and Kyler Murray pull out the win. Kyler Murray throws for 207 passing yards in the Arizona Cardinals' victory, 26-16. to James Conner ran for 55. A.J. Brown received 88 yards in the air. And, I mean, the Cardinals' offense, when you have Kyler Murray, who just looks like a Madden character with 99 speed, it's really pretty unstoppable, especially when you got the weapons that they have. And I don't know. I love the Cardinals team. They definitely came out a little bit slow, but they have the veterans. They have the talent. They have the weapons. They have the defense, and they got all the boys. They got dogs, and they got Cliff Kingsbury drawn up plays. So I think the Cardinals will be all right. And they got J.J. Watt, who's literally risking his life every time he steps out on the field. He had that whole situation with the heart uh, beating irregularly, the AFib, and it's unfortunate somebody in his camp, somebody close to him, leaked that information to the media, so he had to address it. And he was borderline crying, reflecting on his career, talking about his family, his life, and his kid on the way, which is a really emotional moment after the win. But J.J. Watt is definitely all in and ready to go on a run with the Arizona Cardinals. Kyler Murray is fully activated. The boys are ready to go. So we'll see where the Cardinals and where the Panthers, where their seasons head, where their futures head, who's on the teams, how it goes. But we'll watch as it goes. The Cardinals win this one 26-16 in Carolina. The next one we have Broncos country. Let's ride versus Raider Nation. And Derek Carr and the boys brought home the win. Devontae Adams had a 101-yard receiving. Boy, can Aaron Rodgers use that. But let's talk about the Broncos. Either the Broncos were not, quote-unquote, a quarterback away from a Super Bowl, or we may need to have a discussion that Russ is not him and has not been him for many years. I'm – that's where I'm leaning, but I don't want to say that. I know Russell Wilson has the talent. He has the leadership, even though it does feel like literally every single person in that Broncos locker room fucking hates Russell Wilson. But that's not for me to decide. I'm not in the locker room. I don't know what's going on. The guy's a cornball and a clown. I do – support him. I do like him. He's a nice guy. He's got a great career. He's done well. He's had accomplishments, but it's time to hang him up. I don't know. I just don't believe in the Russ hype. I don't believe in the rush train. And with Nathaniel Hackett, it doesn't seem like the Broncos are going to go anywhere under in the Russ era. So Raiders win this one. Derek Carr, Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs, just absolutely molly whopped. The Denver Broncos at home. And a serious question needs to be asked. Is playing at Allegiant Stadium the hardest place to play in the league? Debatable. They've always talked about the Vegas flu, the Miami flu, every time athletes play near those two cities. Now the Vegas Stadium is literally a nightclub blacked out with fucking DJ music playing 24-7. Players going to casinos, staying in Harris for the night, spending away their game checks. It's a tough environment to play in. It's a tough environment for the players that need to play there every week. It's definitely a, takes a certain amount of focus to definitely stay locked in on football when you have all those sorts of distractions around you, and you, you get in a certain sort of trouble. But it's definitely a tough, hostile environment for away teams to go into Allegiant Stadium, Las Vegas, Nevada, and beat the Raiders, especially with the team that they're putting out on the field now. Raiders get the win. Raider Nation, let's ride. 32 to 23 over the Russell Wilson Broncos. Patriots, Packers, what a close one. And nobody could have expected it because the Patriots suck. But also, the Packers have sucked at times starting this season. But the Packers always suck starting the season. The Packers will be alright. It's unfortunate. Aaron Rodgers is getting used to life post Devonte Adams with all these young receivers. He does have Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb to keep the boys in line, but there's definitely a lot of growing pains. He also has Robert Tunyon, and then he's got the two beasts out of the backfields, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. But the way they've been playing so far this season, they haven't looked like a Super Bowl team, but I do think they have the pieces. I do think it'll start clicking And I do think that anybody who's out on the Packers already needs to follow the wise words of Aaron Rodgers and relax. On the other hand, the Patriots are dead. Bill Belichick will never win a Super Bowl ever again. Mac Jones has another six months left in his NFL career. I don't know. The guy stinks. The whole Patriots organization is a disaster. Sell the team, Robert Kraft. Go live out the rest of your days at some rub and tug in Daytona Beach and have a, have a blast with all the fucking fame and success and money and rings and all that shit. But it's over. The glory days are behind you. It's done. The Patriots are dead. Packers win. Aaron Rodgers ugly victory, but we still celebrate him because it's a W and you can only get 17 of those a year, and they're very sacred, and you need to hold them very near and dear to your heart because it's an NFL W. And let's finish with the last game of Sunday, primetime Sunday night football. Kansas City Chiefs, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, baby goat, old goat, old bastard, young buck. Is Tom Brady dead? No one knows. Chiefs win this one. At Tampa, in their home, Chiefs come in and absolutely embarrass the Bucks. They steamroll them, and it just really wasn't even close. Tom Brady still had an unbelievable game. He's Tom Brady. They put up 31 points, 385 yards passing, and connected with Mike Evans for 103 yards. Them two together are still one of the league's undeniable dominant duos. Can't be touched by many other duos in the league. And then you add Chris Godwin into that mix and a few of the other boys in Tampa. It is definitely dangerous. They will be contending towards the end of the season. But they do not look like the Bucks of old. Maybe it's Gronk. Maybe it's missing his presence in the locker room. Maybe it's Bruce Arians leaving. But I do trust in Byron Leftwich, And I would never bet against Tom Brady even though he might be dead but the bucks will return the bucks will win again the bucks will come back what we do need to talk about is how unbelievable the chiefs are at football patrick mahomes might be an alien i'm not sure the plays he's making the things that he's doing he's got the mobility of kyler even though he's not fast somehow But he's got the arm Aaron Rodgers, he's got the fucking brains of Peyton Manning, he's got the fucking goatness of Tom Brady, he's got a ring, he's got it all, the guy is it, he is him, he is himothy, he's from the pit, not the palace, Patrick Mahomes has that dog in him, and they got the win in Tampa, embarrassed the goat, reminded Tom Brady of who he is and how good he is at football and reminded him of all the things that he could do that Tom never could, even though Tom's the GOAT and the greatest to ever do it, even though Aaron Rodgers is the greatest to ever throw football, but it's all confusing. Chiefs win this one, 41-31. And uh, that's it. That is all the games. Not it for the podcast. That's it for all the games. Let me just make that clear. Keep fucking listening or else I'm coming to hit you. But that's it for week four. What a week. I was uh, I was nine and six going into Monday night on my picks. Not a bad weekend. I was 37 and 26 year to date. so that's still not bad winning record. We do winning. Sergeant Pepper's picks never miss. And uh, we got the loss. So it's 37-27 after tonight. I obviously typed that before tonight. But we got the loss in the Rams 49ers game. We had the Super Bowl champions. Sergeant Pepper's miss, picks miss sometimes, but never. Um, we got big winners, though. I'm going through the big winners of the week. We had the Giants. It's always a big win when the New York Big Blue Giants get a W. And that's what we did this week unexpected just like all of them but the Brian Dable era in New York City is here it's a different culture it's a different vibe the boys are buzzing and it doesn't get better than Big Blue winning football games the second big winner big 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 win of the week is the Minnesota Vikings led by Captain Kirk in a very close game over the New Orleans Saints Big win for Primetime Kirk at 1 p.m. on Sunday. It was against the Andy Dalton-Less Saints, but I guess it's still a big win. If Jameis Winston would was, was out there, it'd be the number one big winner of the week, but it's still a big win whenever Captain Kirk gets a victory. Congratulations, Kirk Cousins. Keep grinding away. And the third... Big winner of the week is the Cincinnati Bengals. They had to do it. Joe Burrow in the boys for the white jerseys in the new threads. The boys looking drip the fuck out. You have Snow Burrow. You got Jamar Chase. You got Snow Mixon. All of the boys in the Coke White Air Force jerseys. Fucking Bengal albino ass tiger stripes on the whole thing. Unbelievable win in the sickest jerseys since the Oregon Ducks were doing it. Big, 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 big wins over the week. Those are the three, the Giants, the Vikings, the Bengals, all three Sgt. Pepper's picks, all three big, big, big winners. But when there's big winners, unfortunately, there has to be big losers. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, what the fuck are you doing, Tom Brady, Byron Lefwich, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and the boys? We got to get this together. I'm wearing a Tampa Bay Buccaneers Super Bowl champions hat, and I'm not going to be able to get another one if we keep playing like this. The Kansas City Chiefs came out firing and came out ready to go with a vengeance. Patrick Mahomes was ready to go, locked in, sights set On slaying the GOAT. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Big, big losers. The second big loser. Big loser of the week. The Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns, if they don't win, will be in the big loser category all season. Because the Cleveland Browns are the biggest fucking losers in the league. They lost to the Atlanta Falcons. It doesn't get any worse than that. The Falcons stink. They have one good player. His name's Kyle Pitts. What are we doing here, Cleveland Browns? It's unfortunate because Jacoby Brissett's having a great season. He's been playing very good, and Cleveland's been pretty decent without him. They got the two running backs. They got some weapons, and they definitely look like they're going to be unbelievable once Deshaun Watson comes back, but Fuck the Cleveland Browns for hiring that guy. Fuck the Cleveland Browns for fucking Baker Mayfield out of his job, his team, his city, doing the whole thing, evicting him in the State Farm commercials, the whole fucking thing. The Browns are perpetual losers, and they lost this week, so they are in the big losers category. The third big loser, and this isn't just a – Week four, big loser. This is a big loser for the whole season because the Indianapolis Colts have stunk. And I was under the impression that the Colts were going to be unbelievable. I was told that this would be the best season ever for the Colts. I was told Jonathan Taylor would run for 200 yards a game. Matt Ryan, five tutties, 400 yards a game. I thought the boys were going to get loose. I thought the Colts. We're going to go crazy, and I thought the Indianapolis Colts were going to have an unbelievable season. It's only week four. You can't put too much stock into it. Holy shit, I'm doing this podcast in my car, and that's a raccoon. Oh, my Lord. Big old raccoon coming invading the podcast. Whatever. Got to focus. Don't know what we're talking about. Colts, Buccaneers, Browns, biggest losers of all time, big losers of the week. They got to get it together. Got to turn their seasons around. Got to. Fix it. Can't have two losses in a row. Come back next week. Hopefully all three of them are on the big winner board next week alongside the New York football giants because we're always big winners. And that is the Sergeant Pepper's Picks. I'm and 37-27, year-to-date. Always come to my Twitter profile. That's where you're going to find my picks, 732 Studios. Make sure you follow it. Make sure you put the notifications on. I didn't even say any of this in the beginning. Make sure you follow us on Spotify. Do the whole thing. But the podcast's not over. Don't worry because I haven't gotten in to my Sergeant Pepper's top five of the week. Top five quarterbacks of 2022 so far. Not much changes, but I did have my list that I put out right in the beginning of the season where I had Tom Brady first, Aaron Rodgers second. Obviously, out of respect for the GOATs, they can sling it. Either of them can pop off for a 450-yard passing, five-touchdown game at any time if they want to. But just solely based on performance so far this season, my top five quarterbacks, number one, Patrick Mahomes, the guy is electric. He can make any pass, any play, collapsing pocket, full pocket, sit in the pocket, throw for 80 yards scramble around, run for 80 yards, and then make a little one-yard shovel pass because it's the only thing that's open. If there's a play to be made, Patrick Mahomes is the guy I want to be making it. Number two, Josh Allen. Guy with the biggest arm and the biggest beep I've ever seen on a football field. The guy makes plays. He puts his body on the line. The guy leads his team and if I were to want to play for any quarterback in the league, I'd want to play for Josh Allen, because the guy is a fucking baller. Number three, Aaron Rodgers, the unvexed gunslinger out of Green Bay. It's been a little bit of a rough start, but as he always says in the beginning of the season, relax. None of it matters until Thanksgiving. All of this is just hullabaloo. This is all just fun and entertainment and games. Season doesn't start till Thanksgiving. But Aaron Rodgers so far has been the third best quarterback in the league. Number four, fallen from my preseason number one first ranking overall, Tom Brady. What is the cause of the fall? Is it the eight days he took off in the middle of training camp? Is it the plastic surgery, the Botox maybe leaking into his eye? Maybe he can't see as well. Something is going wrong with Tom Brady. Something is happening in Tom Brady's life. Maybe it's the divorce from Giselle. Maybe it's whatever. That's all alleged, obviously. I'm not accusing nobody of nothing. But Tom Brady has got to figure it out. He's got to turn this pirate ship around and lead the Buccaneers back to the promised land. We need another ring before the Tom Brady reign is officially over. I know I declared him dead. I know I cleared, declared the reign over. But Tom Brady is still the king of the NFL. And everybody who wants to get that coveted Lombardi trophy must go through Thomas Edward Patrick Brady. And that leads me to number five. Somebody who jumped, I don't know, as many spots as you could possibly jump. My preseason ranking of Tua was very low. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I do remember I said he is the guy on the list that has the probability of jumping up this thing and making it... I didn't think it would be this high, but he's number five now, and it's Tua Tungavailoa. Hopefully, this absolute gross misuse and abuse of the custom protocol doesn't affect his career in any way, shape, or form. Hopefully, he comes back. Not next week, because... That would be insane, and the whole league would have to shut down if the guy comes back next week. But the week after that, or the week after that, and he comes back and comes right back into form, because Tua tonga with Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill, and Mike Giusecki, gotta throw him in there, 7-3-2 legend, even though he's blocking a little bit more this season, he's still an absolute dangerous weapon, and with Tua Tungavailoa, the Miami Dolphins offense is unbelievable, but you can't... Undersell the credit that deserves to be thrown to Magic Mike McDaniel's way because the guy is an offensive guru. The guy's, some might say, a wonderkind. The guy doesn't fuck around. I mean, he looks like a two year old child, but he coaches like he's Bill Belichick, so fuck it. He turned Tua from one of the worst quarterbacks in the league to one of the greatest quarterbacks I've ever seen. So I don't know what's in the water down in Miami, but we need to bring some of it up to New York. And as I will do every week, just to close this thing off, I'll go a little round robin of the state of New York sports, starting with the 3-1 New York Giants. And damn, does that feel good to say. Now, I don't know how serious this is. I don't think it's serious in the slightest because it would have to be insanely asinine to think about this, but I've seen talks on Twitter of Saquon Barkley trade talks, and I'm no GM, but I just want to nip that in the bud say that would be the grossest malpractice of general management in NFL history if the Giants were to trade away Saquon Barkley. I understand All of the arguments on every side. I understand that Saquon Barkley has been hurt. He's what you would say injury prone potentially. They say running backs are devalued because they get so hurt, hurt so easily. You say they're so easily replaceable. The thing is, is find me a system, find me an elite running back who was just immediately replaced by somebody who wasn't also elite running back. The thing is, is they're not so – they don't just grow on trees. Running backs like Saquon Barkley are anomalies and need to be kept and protected by the team that drafts them. They need to stay. We need to keep Saquon Barkley. He is our sentinel piece. I don't know if I use that word right, but he's our sentinel piece that holds this team together and – Takes all of the pressure off Daniel Jones. Not all the pressure off Daniel Jones, obviously. But having that elite, deadly force in your backfield always makes quarterback jobs easier. And per se, hypothetically, if the Giants were to move on past Daniel Jones after this season, keeping Saquon Barkley around for the transition into the new quarterback will make everything smoother and easier. But the thing is, is we're not looking for any sort of rebuilds. We're not looking for any sort of regression. We're not looking to develop a quarterback for years and years and years. We're looking to make some moves, to make some money, to make the big dance, to make the roster elite and get the New York football giants competing for Super Bowls again. And that's where we should be. Football's better when the Giants are good. I will stand by that for my entire life. New York needs them because the Mets are falling apart, but we'll get to them in a second. I am fully in on the Brian Dable era. I've been fully in on every coach because I'm a sportive fan, but this is different. Brian Dable knows what he's doing. He knows how to build an offense. He knows how to coach a young quarterback and bring out the best in them. He knows how to bring out the best in offenses. And just looking at the Giants of last year and the year before compared to the Giants of this year, it's a completely different team. The talk coming out of the locker room, the post game all of it, but most importantly, on the field, the play calling, the play design, it's not archaic. It's not Jason Garrett's two thousand and twelve essentials playbook fucking go to plays it, it It's a modern day NFL offense with motions, with dummies, with all these different route combinations and blocking schemes and all these different formations that just keep defenses unaware of what's coming next. And it uses all of the tactics of actual modern-day NFL football, which we have lacked for years. There's still a lot of improvement to go. There's still a lot of things the New York Giants Need to work on, but this 3-1 start has absolutely rejuvenated the fan base, re-brought the love back, brought football back to New York City, and it couldn't get better. The New York Giants are in a great spot. We just need to win football games. Al Davis said it best, just win, baby, win. And that's what we're doing. We're 3-1. Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, Kadarius Tony, play him. Get him off the bench. Get him on the field. He's our most dangerous weapon with hands. The guy is an absolute nut job. I'm not talking about more dangerous than Saquon Barkley, but you know what I mean. Kadarius Tony is a Ferrari, and we're just leaving him parked in the garage. He needs to have 20 targets a game. Feed the man the ball. But other than that, no complaints. LFG Big Blue It's a new era. It's a new dawn. The New York football giants are coming, so look out. We go from one New York football team to the other, the blue one to the green one, the New York football jets. Zach Wilson is all the way back. He's taking back control from Joe Flacco. Um, And the boys are energized. You see it in how everyone plays. When a new quarterback comes in, If the team doesn't believe in the guy, you see it in their faces. You see it in the way they play. They're not making the extra block. They're not making the hustle plays. When you know you have a guy or when your team believes in the quarterback that's under center, you give a little bit more juice. You give a little bit more effort. You see him making these throws in practice, and it makes you want to make a play for that guy, and it just brings the overall vibe up in the locker room. Not saying Joe Flacco isn't a guy. Joe Flacco's as elite as they come. But in the Jets' locker room, they truly believe that Zach Wilson is the future of their franchise. And the locker room respects him, not just because of the offseason incidents of him getting around town and dipping his wick and everything that moves. But that's the overall state of the Rob Sala Jets. The boys are going. And football's back. Football's back in New York City. New York City's back, Baby. It don't get better than this. From a high note, though, New York City football to a low note, New York City baseball. What once was this season so much promise. Two teams on their way to a Subway World Series. Oh, my Lord, the dreams everybody. We all thought about it. We all were thinking all season, cooking up all the seven line. We'll take it from one stadium to another. These teams stink. The Mets absolutely stink. Jacob DeGrom, Max Scherzer, DFM. Get them out of here. I don't give a fuck. The teams are bad. We can't compete. We can't win. We just got swept by the Atlanta Braves. Not the Atlanta Braves of the last season that won the World Series. The Atlanta Braves of this season. The ones that stink. The ones that are going to lose round one of the playoffs. But... Terry Collins gave a little bit of a speech, got the boys pumped back up again a little bit. I heard him. He was on SNY talking about, reminiscing about the glory days, but he was talking, and it's not the end of the world. We have about 100 wins. I think we're at 98 right now. We're a, you call it a 100-win ball club. If you were to tell me that last season, before we got Scherzer and before we picked up Some of the new guys, I definitely wouldn't have believed you that we're going to be a 100-win ball club. I thought maybe we'd sneak in the playoffs. Maybe we'd do something good. But, I mean, we're one of the top three, four, five teams in baseball, and we can't let the last month of the season discourage everybody into thinking that it's the same old Mets. It's not the same old Mets. It's the Steve Cohen era of the Mets, and it's time to take them Two new heights. We do have the team. We got the boys. We got the squad. We got the roster. We got the bats. We got the pitching. It's time to make a run. It's really now or never. We can lose some of our key guys. DeGrom might be a fucking brave next season. And if he is, I don't know if I'll ever watch baseball again. Because after the Thor thing last year, even though now I'm glad he's gone, I cannot mentally afford to lose Jacob DeGrom pitching for me once every five days. I know he was out last season, but when the guy pitches, oh my Lord, it's a thing of beauty. Unfortunate game against the Braves. I was definitely overreacting. We're good. We're going to be in the playoffs. It's one game at a time and we can make a run. And if we don't make a run, I mean, whatever. I just wasted nine months of my life spending three hours a night watching baseball games, but whatever. It's good. Please tell me we didn't fucking just collapse and ruin everything and we're gonna lose everybody next year. Oh my fucking god. Whatever, we'll go. We'll talk about this again next week. I can't think about the Mets anymore. We're we'll to the Yankees. Not much to talk about the Yankees. They've been good. They had an almost borderline little bit of a collapse, a little bit of a slide, but they've been coming back. Aaron Judge has definitely been fueling the flames of the Yankees on his stupid little fake home run tour record where he's nowhere near the actual record. Oh, but it's a cool AL record. Whatever, dude. We're talking about MLB records. We're not talking about American League records. Are you out of your fucking mind? You're stopping college football Saturdays to watch you strike out? To watch you 10 home runs away from the actual record, this is bullshit. There ain't no history to be chased. Aaron Judge, congratulations on 60-something-odd home runs. This shit's wild, but come on. That's it. Good podcast. Run it. Sergeant Pepper's Sports Talk, Sergeant Pepper's Podcast, whatever you want to call it. I don't even know what I'm calling it yet, but that's it. I will see you back here same time next week. Run it. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you like. Make sure you turn on the notifications. Make sure you subscribe on the YouTube, the Twitter, the Instagram, even though no one likes Instagram. But subscribe on the Twitter. That's where you're going to find all of our content, daily sports news and updates from 732 Studios. Sergeant Pepper signing out.